Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Mosaic Life Podcast. Or, if it's your first time listening, welcome. I'm excited for you to be here. My name is Trey Kaufman, and I've dedicated myself to designing the life I've always wanted to live. And it's through these conversations that I get to see how leaders from all over the world have done the same in their own lives and careers. I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star review of this podcast. It would mean the world to me. I'm excited to welcome back another old friend to the podcast today, someone with whom I feel we just barely scraped the surface the first time we spoke. Sherry has become a great friend and someone I've been looking up to for quite some time, and not only the way she holds herself to a very high standard, but in the way she prioritizes her time dedicated to mindfulness, meditation, travel, and most importantly, at least to me, being out in nature. For two decades, Sherry Sterling Fernandez has been a speaker, a teacher, a mentor, and is now a best-selling author. Sherry's new USA Today and Wall Street bestseller, Life Mastery, Personal Progression Toward an Infinite Potential, tells her rags-to-riches story and explains the principles and tools she used for success. Sherry has taught these principles to hundreds of people who have also found success and the happiness that follows using the Life Mastery program. Please welcome back to the Mosaic Life podcast, my friend, Sherry Fernandez. Sherry, how are you? I'm so good. How are oh, you? Oh, I'm doing great. I've been looking forward to catching back up. It's been, well, it was last fall when we last spoke and it was just, it was one of those, those conversations that just kind of stuck with me and uh, your your demeanor and I, I guess your your vigor for, for life and really demanding the best for yourself. It's just, I don't know, that that's, you don't always get that with everybody and with you, I, I certainly did. And I, I'm just, I'm very fortunate and thankful to have the chance to talk again. Oh, thank you. That's nice, nice, nice compliment, Trey. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. So, how has uh, how's life been treating you? I know that time. I mean, the last six months with the holidays, uh, it could it can be a very busy time. I don't remember exactly where you are. I don't know if uh, spring is breaking for you. If you're if you're living in uh, perpetual um, perpetual. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> we wait every day. I'm in Idaho, okay. and it's it's slow coming. You yeah. know, um, but. It's raining today, which is better than snowing. True. So we don't get a lot of snow, but it's, it's we had some kind of unseasonably cold days. It's coming. Yeah, eventually, <laughs> eventually. I can tell you eventually. from the other side where I'm looking out the window and it, it just cleared up, it'll be in the 50s today. I'm, I'm so glad that that it's here. It's, to me, it always feels like a, a fresh start, a new beginning. I know that feels kind of cliche to say, but it's just it's a, this new motivation for me to step outside and experience new uh, new parts of my life that I've been working toward. And it's just a very exciting time for me personally. Oh, it's good. And I, you know, I think that spring anyway, after the cold, but I see there's a lot of oh, depression and sadness and, and angst or whatever. I think the end of COVID and then the, we just need summer. Yeah. We need spring and summer. That's yeah. what we need. I think the end of a winter, both metaphorically and, uh, real, and of course, uh, in real time, we have had a winter. Yeah. So spring, we need spring. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just touching back on our conversation previously, I had actually, I had, I had titled it uh, why, why Good Enough is Not Enough, which I think was a, a theme of uh, our, our previous conversation. And I don't expect you to remember all the tidbits about it because I, I know you do a lot of interviews, but uh, I think the general consensus was we always want to be you know, pushing ourselves a little bit out of our comfort zones, always be pushing ourselves to to make new strides and to to make new efforts to live our, our very best lives. And I know you and I spoke a lot about success and uh, how we know when we're, we're stuck or moving backward and the things that we do to help propel ourselves forward. And I'm just, I'm curious, I know we all even connected on having a checklist of the areas of our lives that we want to hit daily. And I, I took inspiration from you in that. And I'm, I'm just curious how your habits have changed, if they have, or if that's still serving you to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success every single day. 
Yeah, I think we talked about tracking. Yes, yeah. I've been tracking. I've been tracking habits and you know things I want to do daily and then weekly, monthly, a few things there, but mostly daily for forty years. I'm not about to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to quit <laughs> between November. And yeah. Then. No, I, I track um, some items. I, I track some habits I've had for decades that are, are solid, but I still like to just. You got to have some success, a row of success check marks, yes. right? So I kind of keep some of those things on just so I know I've got, I can build some momentum. But yeah, the thing I struggle with right now is um, I had a little surgery on my throat some years ago and I struggled drinking enough water. Yeah. So I'm working on drinking my water, you know, and I've got a goal for 50 push ups without stopping by the end of March. I'm not That's sure great. I'm going to make that. But I can do 35, I think. Uh, on a good day, I can do 35 without stopping. And so that's amazing. I'm gonna, I mean, 50. And now my doctor said, I said, I, I, he said, are you strong? I said, I, I said, I think so. I can still do um, 30 pushups. He said, most women can't, any age can't do any pushups. So I guess I'm doing okay. I, you know, I would make the argument that most people can't do more than 10 pushups in one go at it. And I, and I, I, I say that very humbly because uh, I started very lightweight uh, strength training last fall, and it took me a while to get up to that 35 mark at a time. And it, it's it's certainly a, a big accomplishment to be there, and it only the progress only builds upon itself. So, serious congratulations to you. That's that's incredible. Oh, thanks. I I don't I don't I'm not a naturally a strong person, so I work hard for it. But I um, I didn't start doing pushups. I've been working to fitness, you know, uh, since my since about 30. And I'm 66 now, but um, push-ups isn't something that I started doing till my 50s. And I could do 50. I think my record was like 56 military push-ups without stopping. Yeah. You know, I'd like to get back to that. It was about six or seven years ago. And I think, oh, I could do that again. I'm not too old. Yet. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You can. Um, you, you mentioned uh, fitness. And I, you know, I've got a note here that you used to own Fit Mania, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think we spoke about that last time. Was that? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing from the from the name of it, it was was it a gym or what? What was what was that? It was a it was a boutique gym, intense um, interval training. It was hurt training. It stands for um, high intensity interval training. Yeah. So it's um, it was pretty intense. You know, um, I don't think I've, we, I've never seen a program as intense. I've even done a little bit of CrossFit. Is that was, but still very doable because we did mostly. Um, natural, you know, body weight exercises. Yeah. So it wasn't hurting people and yet pretty intense, which is in my research, the best uh, way to get fit fastest, right? In, in every way. So we did that. We worked with people on diet and then I, we had also fit life, which was the personal development side, right? It wasn't very long into that business. And it was really a privilege to work there. It was not financially <laughs> a privilege, but um, to change people's lives. I mean, we saw so many lives change and it was very personal. Yes. Like we really worked with people one-on-one -on -one and really made it, we just really made a difference and taught people uh, no, no diets. In fact, we have a tagline, no, no diets, pills or potions, you know, just how to eat frequently, eat real yeah. food, enjoy life, enjoy food. And it works, yes. you know, but uh, when people would start getting a handle on their fitness, which we did have a very high success rate as far as gyms go, then they were looking for other ways to grow. Well, it just happened to be, that's my jam anyway. Right. So I, um, so we started, Fit life, and where we would, I would do. Plus, I needed help pay the bills, and it pays better. Um, that I would do some mentoring, and I developed a, a workbook in those days that I could work with people. And uh, we already had the fitness piece in, so then we would just take it from there, and and I would work with them one on one. And so that's how I actually started doing one on one mentoring. Until that point, I had done it informally, and I had um, done a lot of speaking and workshops and that kind of thing. But I hadn't actually done one-on-one -on -one formal mentoring with the workbook, charging the whole thing yeah. and make it made the business. And I still do that. We rebrand, I rebranded it after I, I sold Fitmania. I rebranded it and I still do that. But those years at Fitmania were just a privilege. I mean, to watch people's lives change, um, like some of the people I worked with said, what are you going to do after that? You know, one of the guys that the guy that I sold my gym to, he said, I have to do this. He said, I'm, I'm addicted <laughs> to watching lives change. And so now he gets to struggle along trying to make that make a living from that gym. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, that transformation process. I absolutely love seeing that. And, and I don't know, I, 
you have a much clearer perspective on it than I do. I, I love the the real transformation where you have to have a very real conversation with yourself. And obviously you can have coaches helping you, but when you are able to understand that no one can do this for you. This is the work that you have to do. You have to put in. That's when real change, at least from what I've experienced, really starts to happen. And I, that, 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 the, the mantra that the no diets, no potions, I, I love that because I, I am so sick of seeing quick fixes or things that are sold as quick fixes, whether it's a, a diet or a pill or even surgery. When you are actually willing and able to put in the work and put your nose down every single day and be able to look in the mirror and see and celebrate incremental progress and see it turning into large scale process uh, progress over time. That's when the real winning feeling really comes about. So uh, helping others do that, that had to have feel, felt incredible. It, it is. And you're right. It, it has to be uh, something that you decide to do, but this is kind of where the tracking thing starts too. If you can start building the habit, you, you begin to realize that that you don't people don't know it right off, but they'll learn that as they develop the habit. They start doing a workout and changing their food as a daily way of life. Yeah. They start to realize, oh, this is just going to be me. And um, but I don't think sometimes people don't know it until they get started. Yeah. One thing I think I just could like to share this yes, with you. When I first started, I thought people would come into my office, and I just thought I wish I could just somehow give you some magic pill or something that would do everything. There's no pill. Right. I mean, you can lose weight on a pill, but it's not really about weight, right? right? And it's not going to be a lasting change. You, you have to change yourself. But I wish I could somehow magically help this person to change. But it didn't take me very long to realize, no, it, wouldn't, it would lose. It's the process. Yeah. It's having done this. The real growth comes from the effort that you put in. So even if I could, I wouldn't do that to people. That that road, that journey, and having taken it yourself, it's not just about being thin, right? right? Oh, it's yeah. about who you're becoming in the process and you know, the disciplines that you're gaining, the things you learn about yourself. If you could just be magically thin and fit, you would lose the best part of the process. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I feel like I just told this story, and I don't care. I'm going to tell it again. When I was kind of going through what I generally refer to as my spiritual awakening and realizing that I can do better for myself in this world. And I started tracking my habits and meditating and, and looking inwardly and seeing what areas of my life I could change. It just, it was such an incredible feeling. I felt like if I just told people like what to do and they could just change their lives, it'd be amazing. But what I quickly found out was that you can't just tell somebody to make a small tweak in their life. Like you can, you can show them the results, but until they actually want to make an effort to make a difference in their own lives, it's, it's that, that it's going to fall on deaf ears. And so when people are able to discover that for themselves and they can feel and see and feel what hard work does for them, for their, for their minds and their bodies. That's where that true magic is. And I absolutely love seeing that. And I wish like you, I wish there was a, a little potion that you could give people. So at least they could see the light so they can run toward it because it just, it feels so incredible to, to see that. But there's nothing. We just, it has to just be started by each one of us. And that's just, you know, I have this as a, as a mentor, and also as a fitness professional, or just as a person with some maturity, there's so often that you want to say, let me tell you, I've got some <laughs> advice for you, but it doesn't work. And in, in, whether it's a client I'm mentoring or a friend or whoever it is that's looking to change their life, unless they ask, yeah, it falls on deaf ears, no, right? There's no point in giving advice to or suggesting unless somebody asks yeah. you. Uh, or looks like they're asking you, and even then, <laughs> they might take it, they might not. But, but uh, you know, so you have all this knowledge and wisdom. I, I feel like I have a lot, but I keep it to myself. Unless that's why maybe I like doing the interviews. Yeah. I get a chance there. Somebody asks. Absolutely. So <laughs> I mean, of course, obviously, if somebody's a client, they're here. They're right. they're working with me. They want to know what they want the help. They wouldn't pay me the money, right? Yeah. And so then that's an opportunity to share. But day in and day out, and just going around spewing advice to people. It doesn't really work. I, I agreed. When you're working with your clients, do you have to be careful or cognizant about how much you give them at one time? Because relevant to our conversation, I mean, if you 
tell somebody, if you give somebody a, a list of 15 bullet points of things they need to change right away, they're, they're just, it's going <laughs> to, their eyes are going to gloss over and they're not going to do anything. So are you careful about giving yes. your clients just like s- small steps to start with? Yes. I'm very careful about that. I have a, like I said, I have a, a actual program. I don't know what most coaching and mentoring looks like. I, yeah. you know, yeah. I have a system and we start, I have the, I do this first and then this, and then I, we start with a couple of baby steps. And of course you have to know what they want and then help them see how they can get it by just doing. And we start like with the tracking sheets, one, two, maybe three items, depending on who they are and what, what, how well they're doing already. We start tracking. And then when they've done that successfully, we add a few more yeah. things and then a few more things. Then I add another skill set on how to effectively um, change the way that we think because not everything can be put on a tracking sheet. Right. right? Then I start another skill. So yes, it, um, I won't take anybody. They won't stay with me for three months. It takes me at least, I don't care how high achieve, an achiever somebody right. is. Nobody's going to learn this stuff in less than three months. And most people will stay with me for a lot longer because it takes a long yes. time to practice and do these skills. Um, took me, I took, <laughs> used to, when I was writing the book, I tell Ken, I feel embarrassed that this book has come out so easily. And he said, it, I said, it's only taken me seven months to write. And, did, and I was traveling a lot still, you know, I wasn't even doing it all the time. He said, it took you 40 years to write yeah. this book. And that is the truth. Yeah. I love, I, I'm going to butcher this, but this is a, you know, an old, I guess a fable or whatever you want to call it, where uh, somebody walking along the street sees an artist sitting at a, a restaurant and they walk up to the artist and said, Hey, will you draw me something? And the artist takes about 20 seconds to draw, you know, a piece of artwork. And then he says, that'll be $10,000. And the, the other person says, why wow, it took you 20 seconds to draw that. And the artist says, well, it took me 40, 50 years to learn how to draw so well, or something along those lines and that's always really stuck with me because you're not you're not buying that 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 piece of art on a napkin you're but well essentially you are but you're buying all of the the work that somebody's put into learning and growing and becoming uh renowned for for what they're capable of accomplishing yeah that's i think i I actually tell a real life story in the in life master it's very similar to that where we had an artist teaching um some kids or showing some kids how he paints and he paints sells these paintings for few thousand dollars and it took him an hour to do this painting and they're like that isn't fair and he said i have to pay for all the paintings i couldn't sell for the first 30 years (laughs) it's uh, covering all that but yeah that's really true and and um you know when i i can speak or or teach something just pretty easily without a lot of preparation and ken tells the story a lot he said sherry can do this in a few minutes but it's because she's done it for 40 years Right. He said, I have to prepare something for two for hours <laughs> and it's frustrating. So you can just get up and teach something. But I've got decades of experience doing that first. I couldn't do that at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious because I don't know how deep we got into it previously. Uh, when you work with someone, I, I are you working with a particular type of client? Are you working with somebody who has a particular goal? Or are you just are you working with people who need to unlock areas of their lives? I work with high achievers. Okay. <laughs> That's just my yeah, jam. Absolutely. I'm working with people that it doesn't mean that they're already hugely successful, right. but people who have got a lot of desire because I'm 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 working at a um that's just where I, I do best with people who know what they, they know they want some things. Yes. They're not sure how to get them, but they're motivated. I can't motivate somebody. I don't even want to try. So I work with highly motivated people, but they can be, sometimes they're already very successful in their business or in their lives. They just want more. And sometimes they're just trying to get it figured out. I don't work with people who need counseling and that kind of thing. It's, um, that doesn't serve either one of us. So uh, did that answer your question? I think that answered. It did. But uh, interestingly enough, Trey, um, and I think this is not coincidentally, most coincidental, but most of my clients are younger to middle-aged males and they're entrepreneurs yeah. of some sort. And that just seems to be who I attract or maybe it's a personality type that looks for the kind of mentoring that I do. Um, they're big dream people. We do a, what we call big thinkers dinners, uh, trying to create um, thinking groups of people that just – want to talk about ideas. These are people like that. Oh, I love that. People who've got big ideas, big, do big thinking. They just need some help getting it, lining out themselves yeah. <laughs> and their dreams. I love the idea of a big thinker's dinner. That sounds, that sounds incredible. My imagination is running wild. I'll talk to you next time. 
<laughs> all of them. I got it. I just had one. It was really great. That's awesome. Uh, it was so good. That's great. Small one. And we just do this. We just provide dinner and then watch people talk. But we have another one coming up. I'll send you an invitation. Please. Maybe you'll need to come to work. That will. sounds great. Uh, I want to ask you about, so, I mean, I guess on paper, it makes sense the type of the type of clients you work with. I, I just, I, I guess I want to see if we can dig a bit deeper because I was just having a conversation about generations, I think yesterday. I, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I think you said males 30, 40. So we're looking at millennials. I mean, are you seeing a difference in generations from going from Gen X to millennials to now Gen Z? Or, I mean, would you say that the bulk of your clients are millennial males? I love millennials. Yeah. <laughs> That's who I work with at Pitmania. And uh, they are millennial males. They would be, you can maybe a little bit at each end of that. But I don't think it's so much certain generations. Uh, I just, I don't really yeah. um, love that t- uh, typing sure. of people. I just think it's the time of life that they're in is the biggest thing. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. But I do love my millennials. And, and I do seem to have quite a circle that it seems the people that are uh, we're working with and involved with. Ken and I both seem to be mostly millennials and mostly males. We have a few females, but mostly males. It's, it just seems to be how it worked out. Yeah. And that, that's, um, I, and I agree with you. I, 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 for the longest time, I hate, I hated being typecast as a millennial. Uh, I, now I, it, you know, it just kind of rolls off my uh, shoulders, but it's, it's interesting thinking about, let's just say my particular age range, I'm 36. So I think I kind of fall somewhere in the middle. Yeah, you know, right, Mike. <laughs> <clears throat> you should hang out with me. Yes, <laughs> um, but I, it's just you know, I had the experience of of growing up wanting to make a difference, and I, I know those around me, you know, had the same, and falling into a career where we felt like we weren't valued, and switching constantly because we were feeling underutilized. So I, I certainly understand where that mindset comes from. We're wanting to do big things, and. When I, when I finally hit my stride and I realized that I needed to actually put in work to to become a, a, a high achiever for or for what I how, however I define that, uh, that's when I I really started to you know find that stride and and uh, find the success that I wanted to. So yeah, it's no surprise to me that that uh, the thirty year old um, generation thirty forty uh, is is finding you that way. I'm just I. I guess I, I do want to ask without, you know, going back into the generations. I mean, are you, what are you seeing in, in the younger crowd? Because I mean, obviously the, the 20 year olds, they're, they're no slouchers and they, they are the ones now starting the, the big uh, Silicon Valley businesses. So I'm just, I'm curious if you're seeing the younger generation come up uh, in, the, in the same manner or if it's uh, slightly shifted because of technology or because of mindset. Uh, I don't know if I'm really too prepared to address that. Sure. The only things I would say about that, first of all, is I, I know there's neg- been some negative talk about millennials. I do not know what it even is. I have just think they rock. And I'm not surprised at all that you're, you're one of them. I guess I would have guessed that. My youngest client is 28. And he came to me like you just talking about wanting to do great yeah. things. I want to be a life coach. But at the point, he was driving for Amazon and couldn't put two cents yeah. together, right? He knew he wanted to do that. He wanted to be married, have a family, have a career, find his way. He was trying to figure out how you could get from where I'm at to being somebody who makes a difference. So he would be uh, a different generation. I don't know what it would be called at 28, but right. um, I still see the same thing in him. So again, I'm just going to say that I think it's, I do think the world is, a, is more open yes. for opportunity to make a difference now. There's more opportunities. But I don't think it's so much a generational right. thing is that the millennials ended up being that generation where um, you can you can do podcasts like you. You can do a podcast from your home. You can do things online. You can make a difference in so many different ways. And um, so I think it's more about the time period they landed in, in my opinion, yeah. than being anything special about or not special about that generation. Yeah, that's... Um... I, I I I certainly agree, and I, I I need to thank you for the for the work you're doing because it it's so helpful to have somebody who you can look up to and, and work with to guide you in the direction uh, that you want to go. As, as we mentioned, having the 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 resources to to look to somebody who's been doing this for decades and being able to follow their lead and, and take their advice and utilize it in your own life it's just it's invaluable. 
And they help me too, you yeah. know. Um, my generation, we've got a few issues like technology, you know, doesn't come easy to us. And um, helping to understand and navigate some, I couldn't do some of the things I do. I've been for the millennials who yeah. are so good to do this so naturally. Yeah. And so it's, it's been a win for me. I've just loved it. That's them. great. You mentioned uh, Big Thinker's Dinners, which again is amazing. Uh, but I think you also mentioned um, that you're, you're doing workshops again, uh, which is for the first time mm-hmm. since COVID. Uh, are, are, do you have workshops outside of the Big Thinker's Dinners and what do those look like? Um, yeah, the, the Big Thinker's Dinners is simply, this is kind of an informal thing. We've been doing it for a couple of years though, but uh, so I'm going to talk about that first. I'll talk about workshops. But uh, the Big Thinker's is, you know how hard it is to find conversations with more meaning and depth. I don't know if you've struggled with yeah. that, but all my life I thought I want to just have a conversation about ideas and stop, have to go to this party and talk about window yes. coverings and who's getting married, you know, and uh, it's hard to find. And we know as people who got big dreams or big thinkers or, or trying to make our dreams come through, we need people around us. You know, they're the sum of the five yeah. people you spend the most amount of time with and all that. And I thought, where do you find those? <laughs> and so I thought for these people, uh, now who are still out there and trying to make things happen, I wanted to provide an opportunity for them to have that. And so I invite people who are think outside the box. They're almost exclusively, the last one I had was all entrepreneurs. There usually are, but not always. There's some other people in other fields that are big thinkers. And then I just say briefly, we provide food. Um, we, just, we have them in our condo in the winter and in the summer, we put them on the roof. Um, I provide the food. I say, Briefly, I don't let them do an elevator speech because some people go on right. and write. I say, this person does this, this person does this, this does this around the room. And then I say, eat and find somebody you want to talk to. And they do. They stay. They find people connect that I would not put together. They don't usually know. or No one knows everybody. When they right. come, they meet people and they walk away with ideas and more um, uh, more than just ideas. But, you know, inspired. Yes. They walk away inspired. They like I heard several people comment about my son-in-law's there. He's this unique perspective in the farming world. Who would have thought, you know, but he's a businessman and, and he really inspired some people there about the way he thinks outside the box. You wouldn't think there's much outside the box in onion farming, but there is. And uh, so a lot of people went away inspired by the things he's thinking. And so that's why I do the big thinkers dinners. And uh, sometimes it's good to have big ones, sometimes small ones. And I just invite people who I know will be good, be interested in other people. And interested in ideas. So that's what that is. It's a separate thing I do just because I love it. So the workshops, uh, I'm going to call the next workshop though, a big, uh, big thinkers uh, for big thinkers. Uh, the workshops I'm hosting, well, I'm doing one right now. I go into businesses and do them. I'm doing one right now in a, in a business for a, a builder here in Boise and his people that work for him, builder real estate again he's one of those people that does yeah. <laughs> everything and i've got we're doing one i'll um my assistant and i are putting one together that we'll just do by invitation invitation <laughs> and a check <laughs> and it's going to be a one day uh workshop in the end of april so we're doing that and then we'll set up some other ones too but just getting out there a little bit COVID's over and just trying yeah. to get out there and get reestablished in the workshop. Oh, that's great. I think I thought speaking was more my deal, which I've loved to speak all these years, but I really enjoyed the interaction of the workshop. Yes. Oh, I, 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 again, I I love the idea of the big thinkers dinner and that, I mean, when you, when you said you are the average of the five people who you spend the most time with, I mean, I was thinking that exact same thing and it's, it's so incredibly true. And I'm, I'm with you in that it can be difficult to find deep conversation or conversation with deep thinkers. And I don't know, I I guess I obviously have this unique platform where I get to spend an hour with amazing people from all over the world, yourself very much included. And we get to have these, these deep conversations and that means the world to me. But at the same time, when I'm on the street or I'm, you know, hanging out just in, in public, I, for some reason, I, maybe it's kind of uh, a sense of introversion in me, but I, I have trouble digging deep into those sorts of conversations. And I, I don't want to blame anybody but for but myself. And maybe there's a little bit of insecurity worrying that I'm wasting somebody's time doing it out in public. Or maybe I just I have the assumption that they can't hold the same sort of conversation that I want to have with them. It's just it's a it's a it's a judgment and it's a bias that I should not have, but I do. That's actually probably true, Trey, to be honest with you. God, least that's why because I try, you know, and we have some social groups, of course, and people that we love and things we do socially with, but travel with. 
but it is still there's very few of those people that I can have these you know these kind of conversations with. Yeah. So it probably yeah. is not you. <laughs> it's probably them. Um, but it is. I think it's important. I think that this is a great in a uh, great platform for you. But it's still pretty limited. Yeah. You know, to be able to have exchange uh, in a casual way with people. And I'd say if you are interested, I, you know, these are people usually locally as a rule, but if you're interested in coming to one or you have listeners that say, I'd love to do something like that. I'm dying for that. You know, give me a call. Absolutely. I well, I, 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 I certainly want to ask because um, I, I know you're an outdoors person and you enjoy it, but it's, you know, I, I've never been to Idaho. So it sounds like there's probably some nature to enjoy there while also enjoying the company of uh, big thinkers. Oh, Fabulous. It's fabulous. We have ski resorts that are within just um, an uh, hour to two hours. We're only two hours from Sun Valley. The mountains, we're right at the base of the mountains. There's a river that runs through Boise, which is good for fly fishing, um, hiking, camping, three-wheeling, I don't know, whatever it is you do, kayaking. There's lots to do just right in or just close to the city, not to mention within an hour or two away. Um, it's We have a large Frank Church wilderness area. We've got a lot of stuff here in uh, Idaho that's awesome we're on you know the yellowstone is on the um we're on the fringe of you know you can enter yellowstone from idaho yeah. the tetons the sawtooths it's fabulous outdoors that's inc- what do you like to do oh Trey? i what's your what's- yeah I'm, I'm i'm loving it all and i know that sounds like a very cop-out answer but i i've been a runner uh most my entire life uh i've gotten into mountain biking the last uh, four or five years as well as rock climbing and uh i really enjoy camping uh being out in the wilderness uh both in a hammock uh, as well as a tent and just uh, this for whatever reason this year going into 2022 going into my 37th year i just i've had this invigoration to spend as much time outside as i possibly can and that that includes you know getting outside uh, every single morning that it's nice out and doing all that i can to soak in the the sun and the the the, the nature around me i just i absolutely love it well, you would like idaho there's a there's a, a green belt that runs it's 20 miles i think from end to end that you can bike or run there's um, mountain biking just right that you can ride to from town there's mock rock climbing that's just minutes away from here you'd love it here but i feel the same way as you i just could just be outside when people ask me we travel a ton yeah. i mean like a lot and uh, people ask me what of all the things i've done has been my favorite and it was the tour de mont blanc because we did spend um about a dozen days just out in the out at the end of the day i had a high, nice hotel room so i'm not into <laughs> sleeping on the ground anymore but we hiked all day in those beautiful, and it was hard. Yeah. You know, the hiking was good, serious, climb a mountain every day. Uh, but in, immersed in all that beauty and putting one foot in front of the other all day long, it was just the best. That's incredible. Because I was outside all day yes. doing a hard thing. You know? How I mean, I, I know it's probably hard to quantify, but having access to that nature, I mean, do you – and I also don't know if you're originally from Idaho or not, but I mean, having access to that nature, is that something that you help con- that you would contribute to part of your success? Because I know you've been in the fitness industry, as mentioned. So I'm just curious if having that access has allowed you to really have a clear focus on on your goals and your path. Well, yeah, I, I don't know um, how directly that is. I know that I um, I just that's when I feel most alive. It's when I feel closest to God. It's when I feel uh, I just have to be outdoors every day. I really think everybody does. Yeah. I think we'll have a lot less. We'd have probably almost no depression if everybody got outside and did something in the sunshine every day. I, it's my lifeline to sanity. It's, it's. I enjoy it. I, I crave to be outdoors. And so I've been a, a cyclist uh, all my life, and since well, at least since my late twenties, yeah. I've gotten outside every day. It's just. Sometimes it's in the very, very early morning and it's still dark out because I have little children, yes. you know, that's the only way I could go. But I've gone outside pretty much every day of my life, all my all all my adult life. That's amazing. 
Um, you, you made a statement that I want to talk about and I, I want to bring it up because I was just recently having a conversation about this. You say being in nature gets you closer to God, which is, it's a, it's a fascinating, um, idea for me, uh, for, I think for a lot of people, I, I was asked, you know, do I, do I find spirituality in nature when I'm rock climbing or mountain biking? And I, I kind of, you know, laid down a, a blanket. Yes. Which I, I think could be essentially true for everybody, but I think it means something different for everybody as well. I mean, what, what is it about nature that you feel gets you closer to God or, you know, makes you feel like you have, you're being reinvigorated with a, a spiritual awareness, I, I guess. What, what is that element, if you can even, if you're able to name it? I'm not sure. Maybe it has something to do with creation. And, uh, you know, we make, I live right downtown in Boise, Idaho, so I'm surrounded by big buildings. Yeah. They're nice. They're marvelous. But they're never going to compare right. to the things. That are. I just got back from a trip um, in Peru. We were up in the Andes, and we're Machu Picchu, yeah. right? And this has been this big dream to go to Machu Picchu. It was great. It was marvelous. But Machu Picchu was fine. But it was the Andes that blew me away. You know, we went to the Galapagos on that same trip, and it's all really cool and everything. But it was so much that being outdoors every day in the Galapagos was so much more moving to me than watching the ruins of a civilization, which I found out sacrificed children. So thank right. you. I was, <laughs> I was way less impressed. But being outside for me from that trip, you know, it wasn't Machu Picchu and the ruins. It was the Andes. It was the Galapagos. It was the water. It was the animals. That's what that's what I took away from that trip. Yeah. But those Andes are awesome. I mean, they, they are something. That sounds incredible. You know, I know... Uh, you had mentioned previously that um, you're a practitioner of transcendental meditation. I mean, do you do you draw parallels between being in a, a, med- a med- meditative state uh, and being out in nature, or do you get? I mean, do you get the same benefits? I, I'm just I'm trying to. I'm not sure how I'm trying to ask that. I think there's lots of kinds of meditation and ways to meditate. As mindfulness is really what we're talking right, about, right? right? Being mindful. I do transcendental meditation. I don't always. I do. I just do simple breathing um, meditation, focus meditation as well. And uh, that's really rocked my world. Being outside, I can get a lot of the same benefit. Putting one foot in front of the other, that hiking, one foot in front of the other, one foot. That can be a meditation if you can be mindful. And uh, so there's lots of ways to meditate. Uh, uh, we think of it as just one thing, but I think mindfulness itself there's a magazine out by national geographic that's out right now it's only going to be available a few more weeks on mindfulness and i'd really encourage people to buy it we get this idea that it has to be like i did this in the book flowing robes and incense right. or something but mindfulness is just an everyday thing it's being in the moment happiness only happens in the right. moment right anxieties in the future and depressions in the past nobody's depressed or anxious in the moment as a rule. I mean, we, if you're really in the moment, you don't feel those things. So mindfulness is for everybody. And that magazine has got some real practical, the whole thing is devoted to it, practical ways to be mindful. And um, I think it's something that's we really need in our society worse than ever, yeah. some mindfulness, because it's so busy, it's so noisy. And there's so much things like news <laughs> <laughs> everywhere that we need to, we need to just dial it back and bring it back home. And and find peace inside ourselves. And I think that's going to be the answer to a lot of the mental illness that we have, a lot of the struggles people have, is finding it inside themselves. It's been my journey lately. I know one of your questions is, you know, what are you working on? This has been a new thing for me. I've been a push, push, push type A person all my life, but the last few years, it's all been about mindfulness for me, and the peace that comes is awesome. Yeah. I don't know if I answered no, your question. I rambled off on my own topic you, there. You but. did. And I, one thing that you said, it, it was, I think it hit right on point is that happiness is in the moment. And I don't think I've ever said that verbatim before, but I mean, it, the, the truth is right there because if you think about things that are forthcoming that will eventually make you happy, then you're, 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 you're putting a an, kind of an ultimatum or a deadline on your own happiness. And you're, you're saying that you'll have it eventually, but you're not, you're not allowing yourself to have it right now. So that mindfulness to realize that thinking about what we have right in this moment and being okay with what we have and, and accepting uh, of what we have, I, so much of that has played into my own personal well-being 
and realizing that there's nothing else right here in this moment that I need right now to survive, to, to be content, to have uh, joy in my life. And that's, that's been a very powerful exercise for me. And if there's something that feels wrong, that mindfulness or that introspection will allow me to pinpoint it and then hopefully work to remove that influence from my life. And that's just been so powerful for me. Yeah, that is so true. It's like, it isn't about just sitting in the spot and being quiet or saying, um, right, right. It's about becoming more aware of what's going on inside you when you're aware. So many times we have these uneasy feelings and we just go about our day and they nag at us when we can stop and be aware then we can go, oh, that's what that is. And then it's gone and we let it go. But that meditation practice, from my experience, and I'm not an expert and so I've only got a few years, but I think it takes a lifetime. But in my experience, learning how to be mindful has taught me how to understand what's going on in my body and my mind. And so then I can deal with it on the spot, be done with it and move on and find peace. And I feel, I asked my son the other day, do you know how much more peaceful your brother is? <laughs> He's like, he didn't really notice, but he's got his own problems. <laughs> I said, he knows how zen I yeah. am. <laughs> you know, one of the things that impressed me when I started, one of the reasons, I, I there's two reasons uh, that I got into, um, the other one you might ask me about later, but I got into meditation serious. I mean, I, it was always kind of playing in the back of my mind, but um, one was I had read a book by Tim Ferriss called Tribe of Mentors, yes. and I was impressed with how many people, he didn't ask people if they meditated, right. but how many of these people contributed, uh, the, the practice of meditation contributed to their success. They said, this will what contributed to my success, or I am more successful because I meditate. I remember one lady meditates for like three hours a day or something. I'm like, I keep running up against this everywhere. People who are very successful that I admire uh, seem to meditate, yeah. you know, and I still didn't experience that. And I thought uh, that it's got to be important. And so that's kind of what got me started, but I still was just playing with it. Then I had another little more profound experience and I said, okay, this is, it's time to be serious. And I've been doing it now um, faithfully for a few years. I don't know for sure. Maybe three, yeah. maybe three years. If you don't mind me asking, what was your profound experience? Well, you know, you have this question about a book that's changed my mm-hmm. life. Um, when I left, this is a kind of a little, probably more than information everybody needs, but I left that meaning I had poured so much of my heart and soul in. And I'm the, I'm the mentor coach, but I'm supposed to be help other people realize when they've, their life is out of balance and they've given too much, right. right? But that happened to me. And I left with a ton of chronic pain and I kept trying to find answers and, and this. And of course, everybody thinks they've got an idea and the chiropractors and the physical therapists and the lotions and the, the ointments and, <laughs> and the pain doctors and, when I could hardly, and I'm this very physical person, been all my life uh, healthy, and I couldn't hardly run across the street yeah. without pain. And just it was my back and my knees. It was just I couldn't, in my hips especially. And uh, a friend of mine handed me this book called The Great Pain Deception. I'm going to repeat that. It's called The Great Pain Deception by Stephen Ray Osnich. And she said, people will read this book and their pain just goes away. And it did because you know why? When I understood what was happening. Yeah. The pain was gone. It's like the meditation thing. You say, I see what's going on now. Then you can let it go. Well, when I could say, this is what's happened. And it just was gone. I didn't read the whole book. I mean, I did read the whole book twice. But I didn't have read the whole book before. I was like, ah, I get that now. And I have absolutely, I'm 66. I have zero chronic pain, absolutely none. And I um. I don't go to any chiropractors. I'll never go to another chiropractor. I already knew that one anyway before. I just was doing this. It made me feel better for a minute. Physical therapists. I'm not using CBD oil. (laughs) I don't do anything like that. I don't even stretch anymore. I was addicted to stretching, you know. I don't even stretch just a little bit before my workouts. Um, I don't need to do any of that stuff because I have meditation. Yeah. (laughs) So it hasn't changed my life, you know. Understanding not just the book and the pain going away, but understanding that. And that's when I said, okay, meditation, it has to be meditation. And because of meditation, um, I don't have pain anymore. And because of the book, I got really serious. I didn't just do it because it was a good idea. I did it because I really wanted the, the benefits right. of it. I, um, I will, of course, put that book in the show notes. And I, I know a couple of people who could use that book, so I will probably be gifting it as well. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I want to go back uh, a little bit uh, when you asked your son if he knew noticed that difference in you, and I, I know we kind of chuckled at that, but it's 
it's it was funny to me because I, I finally got back into a daily practice um, this year, um, and it feels really good. And as we discussed, it should be no surprise. It feels really good to have gotten back into that daily meditation practice. I sit down first thing in the morning uh, for about twenty minutes each time, and I, yeah, of course I feel better. Um, and I have shared this before, but I'll share it with you because you might have some additional uh, some different insight. My, uh, my cat of all, of all creatures, I, I think has noticed that in me. And I, I give you a reason why he's, you know, he's a bit older. He's, I think he'll be 13 this year and he's getting a little bit grumpy and sometimes we'll play. He'll get a little bit of gr- uh, aggressive with me. And since I have started meditating daily, that aggression seems to have dissipated, which, you know, I'm a, I'm a fr- fairly pragmatic guy. And, you know, I, you know, I try to think of the other reasons that might be the case, but it was f- impossible for me to ignore. So it just, you know, that, that sense of calm that I feel within myself, it, very obviously is being um, protreated outward. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad to see that. And I, I hope it has a, an effect on other people when they, they see that in me. I think it does. You know, I think that um, I, I do feel like I'm more pleasant to be around for myself. <laughs> I like myself better. Yeah. Um, I'm a little less, because I am very, you said this before, passion. I'm very intense and passionate. And I think it just be overwhelming for people sometimes. But I do feel like I am, easier to be around. I think I listen better to my clients. Um, I can be more in that moment. Uh, I just, I think that I am, I don't know that anybody's going to put their finger on it and say, well, Sherry's a lot different. I, it's subtle, but I feel like there is a difference yeah. um, in me. And it doesn't even matter if they don't notice anyway, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm noticing. I only do 20 minutes yeah. a day. And you know, I, I don't know at this point, I don't really see once in a while I'll stay a little longer. Um, I don't really see that I need more than 20 minutes. I think 20 minutes is adequate. Yeah. Life's got a lot of things that it demands. Um, I'm leaving it open. I might go longer at some point, but right now I feel like 20 minutes of serving does what it needs because once you start doing it during the day, you stop once in a while. Right? I'm sure you do this too. Once in a while, you just like, okay, three breaths yeah. and let me let it go. So in a sense, I meditate here and there throughout the day for a second or two, a minute or two. I think it's enough for me. I, I don't think I'll be the three-hour meditation. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I'll be, I think I'd get too bored with myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Although there have been parts of me and and periods of my life when I've had a desire to go to a silent meditation retreat, which I I, I think. I'm enamored by the romanticism of it. I, I don't know how practical it would be for me to sit for eight or nine hours at a time. But from the texts I've read about it and uh, the experiences I, I've seen and heard from other people, it seems like it'd be a life-altering experience. It's just it, it it's a big commitment in yourself to actually do that. That'd probably be a great growing experience. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that I, I, I feel a particular desire to do that. I might somewhere, but one thing I think with any of these things, meditation or exercise, they also need to be in their place, yeah. right? You don't want to become yeah. so obsessed with this one thing. It's just another thing. It's just another tool. Um, for me, praying is really important yeah. and my exercise is really important. It's just one other practice among many it's not, I'm not, I don't want it to own me. It's not going to be my thing. I'm not going to go to Tibet and sit with the monks. You know, that's not, it's just for me yes. to make my other things happen. It's not going to be my life. Well, that's such an important lesson uh, for really so much in what we do. I tend to say in the, let's just pick out running, mountain biking, rock climbing again, I fall somewhere between casual and competitive, whatever that middle ground is. I know I'm never going to be an elite athlete. Could I, if I worked 12 hours a day at it every single day, I I don't know if my body would hold up at this age, but I just, I, I know that I'm never going to be at a level where I'm going to podium in any of these things. And I, I think I, I, I subconsciously told myself the lie that I would be elite someday. And so I always, forced myself to make concessions to actually perform as well as I could. But when I was able to start telling myself the truth in that you're doing this for you, you're doing this for so you can be the best version of yourself, it took the pressure off. And it just made me feel so much better about those practices, whether it's 
meditation or exercise or anything in between or anything in your life, when you understand the reasons for which you're doing it, it just, it, it feels so much better. And it feels like you don't need to do it, but you actually want to do it. Yeah. It makes it not a stressful thing, but a part that a part of just a part of your life and something that you enjoy. And of course, mindfulness in your rock climbing activity will make it feel more joyful yes. than you thinking, Oh, I need to do better. I need to be better. I need to be better. How does this feel to me? How does my body feel? How does my, you know, feel the muscles in my arms, feel the muscles in my back, those kind of things. Uh, Being mindful of what's happening is going to bring you a lot more joy than see if you can be better than somebody else. Exactly. Unless you were on the professional, in which case you better be better than other people. (laughs) Right, right. Um, I know we're coming up on an hour here. I'm just, I'm curious because we are talking again about six months apart and I, I know the world is constantly changing. It's changed significantly since the last time we spoke. I'm curious what your 2022 looks like for you or if it's, you know, you're, you're at a place in your life where as, as, as you find that consistency, if you get, if you get to do the same thing tomorrow that you did today, it's a win. I mean, for me, that's kind of where I'm landing right now. And I'm curious what you, the outlook for the rest of your, your, your year looks like or feels like. Um, I like what you said. I like what you said about, you know, my day, day-to-day life and the, tra- the trajectory I'm on feels really good right now. I came home from this marvelous trip, which one that I planned. And we, tra- and we traveled a ton when I got home. I said, you know, my day-to-day life really rocks. Yeah. I really do like it. I just like it. I'll, I'll want to go somewhere again in a week or two. But uh, I really like I like where I'm going and the direction that I'm heading. I felt like the book was inspired. And so in a sense, it doesn't belong to me. And so I want to go wherever it's supposed to yeah. go. I, yeah. for me personally, I'm, I'm still um, working towards having it on the New York Times yes. bestseller list. It got on Wall Street Journal and USA Today and, of course, Amazon, which is that's pretty easy. But um, – I want to see if I can push it that far, but it's, it's, I'll only go where it needs to go. Yeah. Right. I want to do more workshops and, um, but I'm just going to kind of take it where this goes. My big things for myself is to work on my mindfulness and improve in that and to get my pushups done. And then to, to, um, and the, the audiobook or actually recorded the audiobook. I probably told you that last time did not like my performance on it. I was doing so many interviews yeah. that I think I was, just, I didn't prepare very well the guy did, he was a beginner. He should have, he was in over his head too that recorded. But so I'm going to re record that. I'm starting that uh, later in the month. So I've got that coming out too. That's great. Getting, we've got, we're, and oh, I should also mention I'm developing a planner. It's almost done. That's awesome. We have a planner that has all the places for of affirmations as a place for your tracking sheet, your planning, and all that. So we have a life mastery planner. I've got clients clamoring for that. And it's taken forever to get that done. Everything moves so slow. So I'll have that out on Amazon hopefully soon. And the workbook will be on Amazon. Um, soon. So I've got those kind of projects going on, but just kind of going where I'm going. Yes. I love that. I, I, I enjoy speaking with you so much and I, I hope we get to do it again sometime soon. It just, it seems like our, our, our values and our integrity is aligned and what we want out of our lives feels very similar. And I'm so thankful to have had the chance to get to know you a bit and to, I mean, honestly, to, to take so much from the, our conversations and, and lessons and your life experiences, it means the world to me. So truly, thank you. Well, I think we have really good conversations, Trey. And I think every time we've talked, to, this is probably what our third time yeah. to talk, maybe. Yeah. We have to just talk together. Anyway, we always have the best conversations. And, and I am a millennial magnet. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> maybe i was born way too early i don't know but anyway we do seem to have good conversations you do great interviews because i i think your interviews are good because you sincerely want to know thank you and that makes all the difference i uh, think in a good interview yeah i mean it, i, I want to do it uh, otherwise i mean i this, this i just i'm so interested in the experiences of other people have had because it just it allows me to to move forward in my own life and to, to see the things that people are doing and it's just, i don't know I, I it's it means the world to me that's how I learned, you know, to watch what other people did and wanted to uh, learn from them. And yeah, they were both yeah. authors and speakers, but still, you know, that's where you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Well, Sherry, uh, you know the drill. I have a few closing questions for you. And if they're the same answers as they were last time, all that much better. Or if they're different, that's perfectly uh, great as well. I'm curious to remember what those are. And so the, the first of, of which is, 
I'm always, I always want to know what can I, or what can the world do to benefit you? So if somebody's out there listening and you're looking to grow in a particular area, I know you said you want to be on the, the best seller list. So if it's purchasing your book, fantastic. What are you looking for to continue your personal or professional growth? Well, mostly my, my main jam is that it get that book gets into the hands of people who want yeah. it. But obviously, buying the book, it's on Amazon, Life Mastery. Um, it's That's the best thing that could happen. And the more they get bought, the more they're out there in the world, the more difference it can make. And uh, so that's probably the biggest thing. And if I can do anything for anybody, I'm very accessible. People can e- email me or Facebook message me or contact me on the website. There's lots of ways to get hold of me. So I'm, I'm really available. Uh, my main thing is just to make the world a better place and to do what I do and in the realm that I'm good at, which is um, mentoring people and help them pull their lives. Yeah. They make their dreams come oh, true. I love that. So um, it's out there for that. So that's really what, what, what I live for is to help other people's lives. That's go. great. That's such a, a noble cause. And I, that's, that's amazing. Um, my next question, I know we spoke about a handful of books today, um, but I, I am curious uh, if you could pick a book that's just had a profound impact in your life, either in your entire life or, or recently, uh, and what that uh, effect has been, what would it be and why? So many books. And that question is so difficult. Some people, you know, I've got six children and people say, what is your favorite child? I'm like, whatever one I'm with at the moment. But it's a good answer. I say books are probably too, whatever one I'm with. But I told you about the Great Pain Deception. Yes. That one really changed my life. There's another little book, though, that I think was really good for me. It surprised me that it was good for me because I'm so sorry to know all this stuff. But it's called um, Soundtracks by John Aker. Okay. And uh, I like that little book. And uh, I um, have my clients read it. Another book I've reread recently that's really good, uh, I think, for all of us is Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. So those are some. But that great pain deception probably changed my life of anything I've read recently more than and that was actually three years ago or something, but that one's been big. That's fantastic. Yeah, I had I'd never heard of that. I, well, I've never heard of any of those books, but uh, the the Great Pain Deception, I, I, I will absolutely be picking up because that sounds like an incredible book. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I will warn you, you share that book with other people. Some people like their pain. Yeah. That identify their identity. So not everybody's going to think. Yeah, you. that's. <laughs> but you find somebody who really is a big, wants to think outside the limits. Yeah and doesn't want to do the surgeries and the pills, that's the book for them. That's such an important point that you make. And I'm sure we could talk for much longer about that. But yeah, some people feel like they need to be identified by uh, the things that are wrong in their lives or the things that are going wrong in their lives. And yeah, I, uh, that's something to be cognizant of. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and then last but not least, Sherry, if you could leave the audience with one call to action that perhaps you live your life by, or you try to implore others to live their lives by, what would it be? Um, that's easy one. And if I get asked anything along that line, I have the same answer. So if anybody listen to any more than one of my interviews, I'll hear the same thing. But, um, we, we live in a society where everybody's trying to make a difference or they or there's a lot of anger about politics, or maybe they've got relationships uh, that that aren't going well. Whatever it is you're trying to, you would like to see in the world, whatever difference you'd like to see in the world, it starts with with each of us. We we improve ourselves, and it has a ripple effect, and it goes out and changes the yeah. world. Gandhi said, "Be the change you wish to see in the world," and that's what he meant. The only thing you can do is fix you, yes. work on you. But when we do that, uh, if it wasn't that you and I are working on us, we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? right? When we work on us, that's what makes a difference. You, otherwise, we're trying to apply force to things where we have uh, no power. Yeah. So well said. Sherry, thank you again. Um, if people would like to find you online, if they'd like to uh, purchase your book, find you on social media, what is the best way for them to either contact you or, or find the best links for you? You can contact me at sherry at lifemasteryinfo.com. Uh, or on Facebook, or someone else runs my Instagram account. But I think I don't know if all those work. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can get a hold of me Perfect. that way. I don't know. Um, and then, of course, the book is available on Amazon. Life Mastery: Personal Progression Towards an Infinite Potential by Sherry Sterling Fernandez, and that's on Amazon in hardback and paperback, and his ebook is available there. So excellent. And 
of course, messaging and any way you can get hold of me works. Perfect. Well, I will absolutely have all of those links in the show notes. And again, Sherry, thank you so much for catching up with me. And I look forward to talking with you again soon. Me too. Let's do it again, Trey. And I'll uh, see you. Who knows? You might be able to come to Boise when I do that next dinner. I'll send you an invitation. Please. Yes, that, that sounds fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you. Okay. One last time, I want to extend a huge thank you to Sherry for joining me back on the podcast. It's always so wonderful catching up with her. And I love hearing the way that she's been prioritizing her own happiness, health, well-being, all of it through her travels and her time spent outside. If you would like to learn more about Sherry, please be sure to check out the show notes at themosaiclifepodcast.com where you can find out how to contact Sherry, how to purchase her book, and to get all the detailed notes from this particular episode. If you're looking for more content related to happiness and lifestyle design, I launched a brand new podcast a few weeks ago called Bits of Happiness. It's a short form podcast that allows me to share some of the lessons I've learned through all of these conversations with all of these incredible leaders throughout the world. Each episode is about four minutes in length and you can find the subscription links at bitsofhappiness.life. Thank you so incredibly much for listening to the Mosaic Life podcast. It absolutely means the world to me. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a great start to your spring. And until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.